Hi, everyone in the Tennessee Holler Network and community around the state of Tennessee and around the country, probably. Welcome to another episode of A Case of the Mondays. We took a long hiatus after the election. Uh, I ran for Tennessee Democratic Party chair, had to lick my wounds for a little while, uh, but I am really glad to be on today with the person who beat me, and rightfully so. Uh, we're going to speak with Chairman Hendrell Remus of the Tennessee Democratic Party, where we've got a lot to talk about in that hiatus. This isn't going to be like John Oliver. We're going to focus on three specific things, which is Trump's acquittal, the state of Tennessee politics and what the GOP is doing to our state and what the Tennessee Democrats have planned. So I'm excited to speak with Hendrell. And without further ado, we're going to invite him to the podcast. Welcome, Hendrell. Thanks for joining. Hey, thanks for having me. Hello, everybody. I uh, want to point out that this is a snow day, so you all get a free pass from work. You don't have to take notes on this podcast, uh, but please be safe. I want to point out just really briefly, since I'm from Nashville, Hendrell's from Memphis, there are some great resources in your community for people who might be living out on the streets right now. Uh, there are rides to Metro Overshow, Overflow Shelters in Nashville. You can call 615-991-1190. If you happen to come across someone who is unhoused in Nashville, they will have a free ride to a shelter in Memphis. You can call 901-357-9641 to arrange for some of our friends to have shelter in this horrible, horrible weather uh, that we've got. But thanks so much uh, for joining us, Hendrell. How are things in your part of the state? Well, uh, it's been great um, uh, on the political side, obviously uh, a little redder than I'd like, but um, on this snow day, it's a, it's icy and, um, and just, you know, ready, ready to get into the spring so we can get into the spring and the summer and beyond this pandemic so we can get out and start talking to folks and knocking on some doors and meeting some people. So I'm, I'm excited. We've got red with the Republicans, white with the snow. We just need a little bit more blue in the state of Tennessee. <laughs> something you talked about a lot when we were campaigning for Tennessee Democratic Party chair. And you were you were fond of saying that that we can turn Tennessee blue and that there is a plan in place where we can do that. But first, I want to talk about national politics a little bit. And as we all know, uh, former Trump, President Trump was acquitted in the Senate of inciting an insurrection, uh, despite all evidence to the contrary. Uh, I even saw earlier today that some of his uh, attorneys stole coasters from the U.S. Senate as they were leaving the chambers. So the looting continues. And apparently that is uh, just going to be par for the course for the Republican Party. We've got Marsha Blackburn and Bill Haggerty in office uh, attempting to represent the state of Tennessee, but obviously leaving out a very, very vocal portion of our of our state uh, while they represent us. So is Trump's acquittal a liability for the GOP in Tennessee? Well, you look, I think it um, I think it's unfortunate that he uh, that he was acquitted. Um, and, but the best part is you mentioned it. He's former President Trump. So we don't have to worry about him still hanging around in the White House and being reckless in that process. Um, you know, I don't I don't necessarily think that, you know, that uh, Haggerty and Blackburn not voting to acquit uh, puts them in jeopardy. Uh, I think that the hypocrisy that they've had uh, uh, Haggerty in his short term uh, and Blackburn throughout her tenure in Congress period has proven that, you know, they're willing to go whichever the way, uh, whichever way the wind blows. 
uh, I, if they are tra if they're challenged in uh, primaries in the coming years, you know, who's going to challenge them? Folks who were insurrectionists at the Capitol. I mean, so they are the worst. Uh, from there, you could probably only get you could probably only get worse if we're going to the extreme. Uh, I don't think that uh, I don't think that a, a more moderate Republican would would you know you know fit the bill for you know ousting one of these two. Marsha Blackburn, particularly, you know, I, I I personally think she shows up in town in one of those clown cars. Uh, she has become an absolute joke uh, as it relates to how she operates. And I know that she's probably auditioning just like Governor Lee is uh, to have Trump here on the ground campaigning for him. So unfortunately, I don't think that that it's going to be one of those instances where their votes uh, uh, this uh, this weekend makes a difference. Yeah. And one thing that I think it's important to point out is that Marsha Blackburn, I don't know if she's had a town hall meeting during her tenure as a U.S. senator. She was noted for not holding town halls when she was a member of Congress. And so this is par for the course. All of it's to be expected. It's also important to mention that some of the senators, Republican senators who did vote to convict the former president, we'll just call him the Donald from now on, but the Donald, uh, they were uh, Bill Cassidy in Louisiana, who I believe is not running for re-election again, or um, Richard Burr in North Carolina, who will have a very competitive election in the general election in North Carolina in 2022. Now, Marsha Blackburn is also uh, up for re-election in 2024, so she's got some time. Should we expect any primaries either in 2022 against Governor Lee? I know I've heard some names that have been bandied around uh, possibly primarying Governor Lee from the right. Can we expect that to happen for Governor Lee or for Marsha Blackburn in the future? Well, for Governor Lee, uh, I, you know, I've said it once. I'll say it again. Um, dear Republicans, I think a, a competitive primary is very healthy for democracy. Um, he has tech more and more to the right. Uh, so he's probably trying to he's probably anticipating he and his team that, that he's going to be challenged. Uh, he's definitely not a moderate and he's definitely hadn't shifted to the left on policies that benefit ordinary working class folks. So, uh, you know, I, I'm encouraging them to, to to have a healthy competitive primary in both the governor at the gubernatorial race and that Senate seat. And so I think a lot of political scientists would look at a competitive primary as a liability for Republicans as just one of the many factors that would show weakness on their side. Is that the same case in the Democratic Party? Would we benefit or would we be hurt by primaries? I think um, I think we if you look at uh, Democrats historically and safe seats or uh, or seats where we have a candidate that's a, 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 a shoe in uh, ch chances are our primaries don't come off as competitive but we understand that at the end of the day uh, once a primary is over with you know that's going to be our nominee and we've got to get behind that person we've got to make sure that they're they are intact to be able to go on and defend the, uh, the party mantle in the general election so, you know, I think primaries are healthy for democracy, period. Uh, you know, I challenged an 18 year incumbent the first time I ever ran for public office because I believe that sometimes, it, you know, you have to challenge the thinking and ideas of folks to help bring about new ideas. So I, I think primaries are healthy. Uh, I'm going to be encouraging that, you know, we run respectable uh, primaries that don't do more harm than good to our party.
Yeah, absolutely. And I think one, one, you know, piece of evidence of that is that when we had a very large group of people running for Tennessee Democratic Party chair, and at the end of the day, I know Robin Kimbrough Hayes is on your transition team. You and I are speaking uh, now, and I think that that's evidence that our party can be stronger uh, by comp, uh, be strengthened by competition and by by healthy primaries and civil discourse. I want to encourage anyone who's watching, drop a comment and let us know that you're watching. Ask us any questions, anything that you want to ask the chair, we'll be happy to include in this. Uh, Kim Walker, a great Democrat out in Hickman County, would be at work today, but uh, she's going to be home for a couple more days. So we've got plenty of time to talk about politics a little bit more. So as we think about the general election and what we're going to do to unseat Governor Lee and some of his colleagues in the state legislature, uh, what are some of the priorities that you're hearing from Democrats around the state? We know that Governor Lee just dropped one of the most bipartisan proposals he's had during his first term in office, which is uh, uh, family paid family leave for state workers. Uh, so is that something that Democrats are going to bring up? Is there is there another coherent message or set of policy ideas that the Democrats are going to bring forward in 2022? Well, absolutely. I, you know, I've said that we have been so caught up in this bubble of defending where we stand on the policies, where we stand uh, on the social issues, where we stand as candidates uh, and where we stand as a party. We hadn't spent enough time defining uh, the Republican Party and how harmful their policies have been on ordinary folks. So our focus is going to be on the economy and, and telling that story to folks in a way that they've never heard it told before. Uh, by tapping into the lives of ordinary people from right inside of the communities that we'll be targeting and having them uh, uh, tell their stories in a way that resonates with their neighbors, their co-workers, their classmates, and even their family members in some cases. Uh, I, I don't think that Governor Lee has a shred of bipartisan uh, effort or or uh, outlook in him. Uh, he's in full re-election mode and it's obviously clear from his state of the state address and from some of his recent legislative moves that you know he's going as far right as, as you can go. I think there's something really important in what you said, which is that you know the economy and how it affects ordinary folks. And in 2020 and 2021, the Tennessee Democratic Party made significant strides towards reaching ordinary folks by Number one, nominating the first African-American woman to be our nominee for the U.S. Senate. I think that was huge. Marquita Bradshaw has a new documentary about her campaign that's about to come out. She just started a new nonprofit organization called Sewing Justice. I couldn't be prouder of her. And then your election as TNDP chair. And the thing that's that you two have in common is that you are now African-American leaders in our party. And, and I think that's something that may have been missing in the past and how do we create economic opportunity for African-American communities? And so is that something that you might also see from the state legislature? Yeah, I, you know, and my, my thinking is, is simple. If we are making sure that we're getting rid of some of the racial disparities and creating a more equitable um, economic system or healthcare system or educational system, uh, it, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be specifically for, for black people. If we're doing the right thing for all people, then black people will, will definitely benefit. We just got to make sure that once these policies start rolling out and once initiatives are put into place where we've lacked it, you create these opportunities, you create these resources, but there's nobody helping to connect the black community to them. So we've just got to make sure that we're not missing that point. And I, and I think we've got a strong uh, 
House Caucus and a, a strong Senate Caucus who are definitely focused on making sure uh, that we're fighting for, for ordinary folks, especially those who've been left behind in black and brown communities. And another great leader of our Democratic Party uh, candidate for state Senate in Hamilton County just commented, Glenn Scruggs, who's the assistant police chief uh, in Hamilton County. Governor Lee's uh, state of the state was certainly disappointing for its partisan rhetoric and, and for the lack of accomplishment uh, that the governor has has managed to uh, to not achieve uh, in the state of Tennessee. Uh, I had a comment from New Deal 2021. How do we reach out to rural areas? We've got five, six urban and suburban areas where we can drive up turnout. But through the race for TNDP chair, we heard a lot of our members asking, what are we going to do about the rural parts of our state? Yeah, so obviously, I believe that you, we, we can't just win by running up the numbers in, in the urban core. We've got to make sure that we're competing uh, competitively in, in suburbs. But in order to close that gap and making sure that we have enough spread, we've got to go out into rural communities. And I think that there are folks in rural communities who are looking to vote not for a party, but for policies that will help to impact their lives. I talked a lot during the campaign about meeting people where they are. And, you know, I'm going to be intentional about that, whether or not it's setting up a uh, Democratic voter registration table or information table outside of these football games. Once we get back to, to normal life or outside the town bank or outside the, the local Walmart or, or diner, we've got to make sure that we're out there and we're sharing that message. But we're not just doing all the talking. You know, if we're going to be effective, sometimes we've got to shut up and listen. Um, if we do that, then I think we'll better understand where uh, people in rural Tennessee uh, minds are at and why they feel the way that they feel. That's the only way we're going to be able to connect if we start listening versus uh, going out and just talking. Yeah. And we get a lot of comments from members of the executive committee, uh, other volunteers in the Democratic Party throughout the state. Is, is there a system or a way that we're planning to bring them all together and motivate them to get out and drive up numbers in rural areas? Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I've said that the, you know, the, the state party shouldn't try to bear the burden alone. We can't do everything and we shouldn't try to do everything. We've got to make sure that we're empowering our county parties. We've got to make sure that we're uh, helping to make sure that uh, allied organizations across the state have the resources that they need to go into rural and urban areas and suburban areas. Uh, and when, when we do that, I believe that our best efforts are, again, I go back to the people who are already on the ground in those communities who have credibility with those communities, utilizing them to the best uh, of their abilities and making sure that they have the resources to be successful in that. Yeah, that's great. And as we move towards 2022, what what are you most excited and optimistic about from our party? Uh, defeating Bill Lee. <laughs> I, I, look, I, I think that we are in a position of excitement, of enthusiasm, and we've just got to make sure that we capture it and be able to steer it into uh, into the right direction. And that direction is across the finish line uh, towards a uh, towards a blue future. Um, you know, just the amount of time I've been in this role uh, over the last month, uh, the outpouring of support that we've had from you know people who have been disengaged in politics for a long time. 
you know, the phone calls that uh, that I've had from Republicans who are, are just fed up with the Republican Party and are looking for a new home, wanting to know how they can get involved. The amount of new donors that we've brought in on the on small dollar amounts and recurring dollar amounts and and the new uh, Af- black and brown uh, uh donors and volunteers were looking to get engaged. I'm excited about that because I think people are hopeful that, you know, we're not a lost cause, that we're not stuck in the status quo. And I think with that energy, we might be able to move the needle uh, tremendously. Yeah. So let's gossip for just a little bit. I want to throw out <laughs> the names of people who I've heard uh, might be considering running for governor, uh, might be great challengers. And I'll just say I'll endorse them all. I think they're all great. Uh, so Senator Jeff Yarbrough, State Representative John Ray Clemens, Marquita Bradshaw. I'm sure there are a lot of other names that, I, that I'm missing. But I want to offer a caveat to what you just said, which is, do we do we need a candidate who is a veteran legislator or do we need someone from the outside who might inspire even more people to come out and vote? All those candidates, Marquita Bradshaw being, being the number one who, who's had probably the largest number of votes uh, of anyone being talked about for candidate in a statewide election, but uh, are there other outsiders that we need to be talking to, other interest groups or other leaders in the state of Tennessee that should be coming to the table? Well, you know, (laughs) I'm going to remain as neutral as I can in in this process. Um, But obviously uh, you mentioned, you know, should we be looking for a particular type of candidate? Uh, my goal is just to make sure that we have a candidate who resonates with with people. If whoever the candidate is, whether or not they come from the outside or from the legislature or from local uh, or from local government, uh, if their message cannot resonate with folks, if they can't relate to what people are going through, then then we're going to have a tough time. Uh, But we're going to do everything to make sure that you know, our policy, our platform and our messaging is cohesive across the board. So whoever emerges as the Democratic primary, uh, as a Democratic nominee for for, for governor, uh, they are equipped to be able to take on Governor Lee and defeat him. And we have another question uh, very briefly before we go. Uh, how, are we, how are we going to fight for LGBT rights in Tennessee? As we all know, uh, Governor Lee and the GOP just introduced a completely unnecessary bill to prevent trans athletes from participating in high school sports. And we know how damaging that's going to be Uh, far from being able to defeat that in the legislature. uh, What will Democrats be able to do to prevent other damaging LGBTQ, anti LGBTQ legislation like that? Look, uh, I I hadn't talked a a whole lot about this publicly, uh, but, you know, making sure that uh, we are fighting for and protecting the rights of the LGBTQ community is very personal to me. I have a younger brother who was once my younger sister, did what a lot of folks in uh, the neighborhood I grew up from didn't do, went to uh, join the military, fought in Iraq, and fighting for a country that he loved, he couldn't be true to, uh, to, to who he loved. Came home, joined the police force, was discriminated against. Uh, I think about the pain that that has caused my loved one. And, you know, I think about the young people from all across our state and all around our country who are going through uh, similar fights. We've got to make sure that we're doing everything that we can to be their greatest ally, uh, to show that it doesn't matter who we love. It doesn't matter why we love them. It doesn't matter who we are. If we're going to look out for each other, then we've got to make sure that that crosses every that crosses every line. And 
what we don't need are Republicans, whether it's Governor Lee or members of the General Assembly, you know, trying to trying to judge. And, you know, they, they let, let me let me say this. We have a group of folks who wear their Christian faith as a badge of honor, and I'm a Christian, um, but they don't practice what they preach. If they are truly believers of the same Christian beliefs that, that we're taught, then it's not encompassing upon them to judge the next person. They should be doing every single thing they can to make sure that that person is treated, uh, treated fairly, treated with respect and is able to live whatever life they decide to live while they're here on earth and then uh, let God deal with it uh, uh, at their judgment. But, you know, we, we've got to fight for people and the LGBTQ community will always have uh, an, an ally with me. I'll join them on the battlefields every time. That's really well said. Thank you for sharing that story. It's incredible that in 2021, we could have codified legislation that would discriminate against our neighbors, against taxpaying Tennesseans, but also against soldiers, veterans, police officers, and you know, children in high school. It's really, really disheartening. Uh, we have another question from, uh, from Glenn, Glenn Scruggs. What do Democratic candidates in rural areas need to do do they need to resist leaning into gun reform as a primary platform issue or, or should they embrace that? How should they respond? Well, you know, obviously we've got a message and a platform that we have to be able to uh, to push. Um, I was an emergency manager. I went into schools across uh, the state and I, I trained teachers and, and kids on, you know, how to survive an active shooter. So I feel a certain type of way about gun reform. But I'm also cognizant uh, that, you know, there are a lot of folks out there who, you know, uh, who truly uh, believe in the Second Amendment right. I believe in the Second Amendment right. We've just got to make sure that people understand uh, when we sell that message to folks that we don't want to take away anyone's rights. What we want to do is make sure that we're protecting our communities so that, uh, you know, guns and especially uh, these assault weapons are not falling into the hands of people who are looking to, to do damage, especially to young folks and people, innocent people who who just are going about their everyday lives. So, you know, in some communities, our message will be, you know, very left on gun rights. And in other communities, uh, it, it, it'll, it'll be a little bit more moderate. But here's something that I challenge people in rural communities to be able to talk about. It still goes back to the economy. If you are a gun owner, um, many of those gun owners have had to sell or pun those guns because they've fallen on hard times economically. If you love hunting, you can't buy a new uh, hunting rifle because chances are you've fallen on hard times economically. So at the end of the day, whether it's uh, education or gun rights or, uh, or health care, all of this goes right back to the core issue, the economy. Yeah, I think that's a great, great note to leave on. As Tennessee Democrats, I think it goes back to our core message, which is we can focus on fringe issues all you want. We'll be on the right side of history. Uh, but at the end of the day, what we want to do in the state legislature and the governor's office and throughout the many, many other offices, we can talk about Billy and Bench on another podcast, but 
we're really working towards building up a better economy for all of our families in Tennessee and not discriminating against anyone from buying into that. So uh, I do want to give you an opportunity to let people know how they can buy into your vision and invest in the TNDP. And, and let me also just offer a, an, another note of endorsement. I mentioned it on social media, but I'm excited about where the party is headed, where Democrats are headed and, and really believe in your leadership and your vision. So uh, what can we do to help? Well, obviously, um, <laughs> Uh, the, uh, all of these big ideas are only ideas un unless we have the resources to be able to bring them to life. Um, so gladly go over to TNDP.org, uh, make a contribution or find out how you can get involved, uh, volunteer, sign up for any events that may be out there. If you want to submit your resume or if you're looking to uh, learn more about organizing or, or grassroots efforts that we plan to deploy, send an email to Hello, H-E-L-L-O at TNDP.org and someone on our staff will get back with you. But we definitely need the resources to be able to implement some of the programs and support allied organizations that will help us in this fight. Absolutely. Chair Hendrell Remus, thanks for, for joining me. Uh, I am a member of the DNC, so I'm excited that I, I get to travel to some of those meetings with you and to see your vision come to life. And happy to have you on this show any other time. Thanks again for, for your service to our state and the Democratic Party. I'm looking forward to it, Wait, Thank you so much. Thanks, Hendrell.